0: Hi, welcome to Travel Time. This week I'm talking a little bit about Mammoth Cave. And since it's uh, winter outside and very cold across a lot of the United States, I just wanted to share that this was a place we chose for a winter break getaway to a national park. So most of our national parks we visited in like fall, spring, mostly summer. Uh, But this one we actually ended up going to in the winter. And the reason we decided to head there uh, may be a little surprising it was because of this, it was the same temperature roughly year round. Obviously, not on the outside, but I guess inside the cave is around the same temperature all year. It stays around 54 degrees. Since we are in the Midwest and winter here is never 54 degrees, really. Uh, well, it sometimes is, but. Uh, we figured it was clearly an upgrade from the Midwest winter. We headed down to Mammoth Cave, and on the way there, we stayed at a nice Hampton Inn in Cave City, Kentucky, that was a really good location that was close by to Mammoth Cave. Allowed us to get up and get over there in a relatively decent period of time. The other thing that I could tell you is that if you're planning to go, be aware, um, tickets are required to enter Mammoth Caves. You can go on the trails and things like that without the ticket to enter the cave, um those are all outside and above ground, but you can't go into the cave without a ticket. So the reservations aren't required, but they're strongly encouraged. I know when we went, it was just a little bit after Christmas. There were still people there but uh, that were able to buy tickets and get into tours apparently, you know, you're just kind of risking it, you may show up and all the tours are sold out, or some of them are sold out, but the ones you just wanted to be on, and you have a limited selection. But if you order online at recreation.gov before you go, you can get them and show up with the tickets in hand. And it's much easier. I believe during COVID, they're actually requiring that they be booked online and show you show the pass on your phone to cut down on the interpersonal transaction. But I'm not sure if that's still the case. So in any case, I recommend the reservations unless you're just going spur of the moment and don't mind if you won't be able to get into the cave if it's sold out. When we arrived, it was snowing, just enough to be pretty. But as promised, the cave felt, so felt sort of like early spring. I don't even remember. I don't even think we had, we had maybe a light jacket on when we were in there. If you tend towards being colder, you're probably going to want a decent jacket or a sweatshirt and a jacket, something like that, um, just because 54 can feel chilly if you tend towards being cold. Uh, luckily i don't so i usually am fine without one or with just a light jacket some tips before you head into the caves on any tour flash photos are not allowed in the cave i understand it's partially because of all the different animals and things like that that live in the cave that can be sensitive to that they also don't allow very large or metal frame backpacks Uh, no strollers no pets Um, these aren't normal like flat trails, like you might be able to find like a paved trail in some national parks on some of the shorter ones. That's really not what a lot of these trails are. They are through a cave and they can be a little bit rough at times. So most of that stuff's not going to get through. And it's especially on some of the cave tours, there are some tight spots that metal frame backpacks simply wouldn't get through. Um, I'm sure there's probably other reasons why they're not allowed, but just know that even if you try to sneak it in, that you'd be not be able to navigate the cave in some spots. It's also nice to know Mammoth Cave is an international biosphere reserve. It has over 70 threatened or endangered species um, that call the national park home. So a lot of those actually live in the cave or just outside the cave. So there are some uh, blind cave fish that I'll reference later. They do have some endangered bats and things like that that call the cave home. And I believe there are a few other kinds of animals that just well within the cave that are very unique to the cave. We started off our trip with a tour called the frozen Niagara. This was a little bit shorter tour. It's a great tour to start off with. In my opinion, it's a little over an hour and around, you really only go about a one quarter to a half a mile. The distance is short, but the views and the formations in the cave on this tour are beautiful. Our tour guide um, was really knowledgeable and shared a lot about a lot of information about the cave about the formations inside and a little bit of the history of finding far as the frozen Niagara section was actually f- found fairly late in the known history of the cave. And so they talked a little bit about that. Um, it costs around $14 for adults. And I think the kids were around 10, but if the kids are five or under, they don't actually need a ticket. This is like kids six to 12 are the discounted price. But all kids under 16 must be with an adult, so that's a good thing to know as well. So like I said, that was a great starter tour. It was nice to be able to take the kids on a little bit shorter tour first, um, just to get into the cave and look around. Later, we also took the historic tour. The historic tour starts off in kind of the main entrance of the cave, or what's historically been known as the main entrance of the cave. It starts off in a bunch of areas of the cave that they actually call rooms. And those rooms have served lots of different uses over thousands of years. And they're also deeper, deeper places in the cave that the tour goes to. It is not as easy a tour as the net frozen Niagara. Um, there are a lot of stairs. I believe I read online there's 400, especially in the second half of the tour. There's an actual, like a steep, steep staircase to get to the next area. So just be aware that if you get to that point, you pretty much have to go straight ahead because there are not a lot of, I mean, it's a cave, so there aren't a lot of lights and things like that. So it's not like you could just turn back and go back the way you came. It's not that easy. So you do need to be comfortable with the fact that you'll have to go up those stairs to, to finish the tour and that you're comfortable doing that many stairs. There are also some steep or tighter areas. So there's a couple areas that have kind of a steep incline. There's a couple areas that I recall being, um, You're just, you you have to go through single file. You might have to turn sideways kind of thing. So there's just a couple tighter areas there. If I remember correctly, there weren't a lot of super tight areas. A lot of it was in kind of more expansive rooms, but there were a few places that were a little tight. It took us around two to two and a half hours for this tour. And it went a total of about two miles or so. It's typically listed as a moderate. There are a few other tours about this length that are actually listed as strenuous because they have even more stairs than this one has or more steep parts, things like that, or more rocky terrain than this one had. So just look, definitely look at the strenuous, moderate, easy ranking. If you have troubles with mobility or things like that, because you'll want to know, or if you're like, if you have a bunch of fears of the dark caves might be, not be an option for you anyway, but if you are afraid of the dark or heights or things like that, you might want to consider that just because very deep into the cave, it is quite dark. There's no natural light that gets into some of the parts of the tour, And the stairs, as I mentioned, very, very steep. And you can tell you're very high up in the air. So if you have fears along those lines, you might want to take that into account as well. We had a blast doing this one. The thing I liked about it for me was that I have a very um, big love of history. And this tour was great because it was very heavy on the history and the stories about the cave. They shared a lot of interesting or fun stories of things that happened in the cave. So some of the things... That I remember, slash, um, I also kind of looked online to remi- remember some of the details of the stories to make sure I remembered them correctly. Some of my favorite his- historical tidbits were you do go through a mine on this tour that was used for saltpeter. And I guess uh, over th- thousands of years, bats had living in the cave had led to guano deposits, which made the dirt rich in calcium nitrate. And so calcium nitrate, when it's mixed with other high potassium materials, makes saltpeter. And saltpeter is a principal ingredient in gunpowder. So this made the M- Mammoth Cave itself extremely profitable during particularly the War of 1812, because gunpowder was in very high demand. And they, need, they were making a killing just getting the saltpeter ingredients out of the cave so they could make the gunpowder. <clears throat> Most of the workers during this time were enslaved. Um, because frankly, not many people were willing to mine in a cave by choice. And so these miners built many of the initial trails inside the cave. So a lot of the trails you take on this tour were built by enslaved miners, um, back around the war war of 1812. They also hauled out rocks, laid down smooth stones for paths so that they would make it easier on their wheelbarrows and things like that. And then after the war demand suddenly dropped off. And the mines were just abandoned. And a lot of the things used for lining mining were just left there. And they're still in there. So you can still see a lot of the different things they used to uh, mine for saltpeter. They started, shortly after that time, they started tours of the cave. And that was around like 1816, after the War of 1812. Some of the other things I thought were really interesting, there actually was a time in the 1800s when they were holding church services in an area that now they call it the Methodist Church. But um, it actually served as their church for a time. There was also a one of the more famous tour guides of Mammoth Cave. One of the most knowledgeable men about the cave was Stephen Bishop. He was an enslaved man that was later known as the Staple Genius, and he became a cave guide. So he was he took people through the caves, and this was pretty common. A lot of enslaved men, especially miners or descendants of the miners, became. Tour guides in the cave because they already knew the cave well or they had handed it down. And he was one of these people, but he is also known for creating a very extensive map of the cave. And he also holds the honor of being the person that discovered many key cave features and rooms, most notably Mammoth Dome and Cleveland Avenue. Um, Cleveland Avenue is actually another tour you can take. It's a more strenuous tour, but it is one that you can take. I think it's like two and a half, three hours. It might even be longer than that. He was later freed, um, but he remained at Mammoth Cave after he was freed. Continued to be a tour guide for a lot of his life. Also in the 1840s, they found blind fish, um, which I noticed earlier that were in the River Styx. Ralph Waldo Waldo Emerson, the poet, visited the cave in the 1850s and later wrote illusions after seeing... um, He was in the star chamber in the cave and saw kind of the faux night sky in the cave and it inspired his essay Illusions. In the Civil War, I found this interesting as well. There were skirmishes within a half mile of the historic entrance of the cave, and the cave was also first photographed around the Civil War time in the late 18 but in the late 1860s, so mid to late. They've also found a couple of mummies in the cave. I believe one is still on display in the visitor center that you can see. And then there've been actually some some very famous people that have visited or heads of state or royalty from other countries, like the Grand Duke Alexis of Russia came. A uh, Brazilian emperor was a visitor, on the less uh, magnificent side, so to speak. Um, Jesse James gang actually robbed the Mammoth Cave stagecoach in the in the eighteen eighties, and one note is the first automobile arrived at the cave around nineteen o four, and it came from Indianapolis, much like we headed down from Indiana. The frozen Niagara was discovered in the 1920s. So that's the one, that's the place where we took the tour. And a lot of the features of the cave were discovered well before that. So that was kind of a late find and made that section a little more interesting. During the 30s, the Civilian Conservation Corps, um, which was one of the programs during the Great Depression that helped get people to work so they could earn money for their families and help reduce unemployment. They did some projects at the cave, part of which was clearing out areas or making trails through the cave or stabilizing areas of the cave that people might be going through if rocks had collapsed or things like that. My grandfather was actually part of the group that worked on this cave. So it was kind of nice for me to be able to come and visit it because he had told me stories about working in the caves and clearing them out when he was in the Civilian Conservation Corps. So personally that was that was pretty interesting. The total surveyed length of this cave is 144 miles. It is the largest known cave system in the world. It's just so hard to fathom just like thinking about it, but it extends out throughout that whole area of Kentucky. Obviously at 144 miles it's just massive. It's not all straight linear. It was it was massive and what helped to carve it, which probably isn't really the right word, was I believe it was Mesozoic times, but there was a sea over the area long way back, and it ate through some of the limestone that was in the ground and formed the caves, and then they solidified up. And I mentioned this because there actually was some recent cave history that came up in 2020. One of the most diverse um, sets of shark skeletons was found in the cave during the 19- during 2020. And it had over 40 fossilized species of sharks and relatives of sharks. Um, And they think it was likely from the late Paleozoic era. So it would have come from during the time when the sea was still over the area and kind of carving out the cave. And I just found that really interesting. Also interesting that they were able to make those discoveries during what was definitely a challenging year as far as exploration and really everything. So those are just some interesting facts. It's, It's kind of a lot of little random facts. I just found all of those really interesting The person that gave us a tour also pointed out an area where it's rumored that some robbers, not Jesse James, but some other robbers like hid out in a little opening of the cave for a couple days before they made their way on to hide out from the law. And I couldn't find anything online verifying that. So I'm not sure if it was a tall tale or if it was real. So I didn't include all the details of that story here, but it's definitely kind of fun to hear all the different ways the cave was used over over time from the native Americans and before to now it's, there's evidence of human occupation of the cave or use of the cave for thousands of years back. So it is, it's really interesting to hear that vantage point. I would highly recommend a visit to Manic cave really loved going there in the winter just because it was a great winter getaway. And it wasn't, we knew that we wouldn't have to worry about rain or snow or any of that kind of stuff. I would love to go back in the spring because I understand a lot of the outside areas are also very beautiful. And while we did see them covered in snow, we didn't really get to explore much. So at some point, we'll probably head back just so that we can um, see more about it. If you have not been to Mammoth Cave National Park, I encourage you to check it out. And until my next podcast, happy travels.